You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Shutdown Fullcast. This internet's only college football podcast. And even if it weren't, if we were in a cabin in the woods on holiday with our fellow teen college football podcast, well, we would be the sole survivor in the slasher movie that was week nine. Yeah, because we're not sluts. Nope, definitely not. Too homely. <laughs> too, <laughs> too, 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 would rather be watching the game. Would rather be watching the game. Yeah, the game of Magic the Gathering. Correct. Has, has anyone made a horror film where only the sluts live? Ooh. Mm. Did I just... No. Oh, hold on. TM. That's mine. Okay. That's us. It's, it's <laughs> <ours>. <laughs> Delete this. I never said it. It was a lie. This is what a feminist looks like. Business plan. Oh, sp- speaking of giving it up easy. Hey, Notre Dame! Oh, that's a segue, y'all. I am so happy to be discussing week nine with y'all, mostly because, yeah, Notre Dame lost. Notre Dame lost. I'm going to be talking about this for like two weeks. And not only did they lose, um, they lost in what was like easily the meanest game I have seen all year in terms of how they got blown out. Uh, what happened at the peripheries of that and the setting? Like there was, there's nothing that really compares to watching Notre Dame uh, get pounded into the ground while Michigan only throws four times in the first half. Four in the rain, in the rain, and watching Michigan, a team that cannot pass anyway, just just go okay, cool. We're gonna take all of this frustration, every last bit of the rancor we felt over how this season has turned out 
and what our expert expectations became when applied to reality. Yeah, I greatly enjoyed watching this. And not just because an offensive lineman for Michigan carried a Notre Dame defender out of bounds through the sideline and then pancaked him into the strip of, I guess, what is that, half turf? Like what would be the track on an old stadium? Right by you the know, cheerleaders. If you were watching on mute, that was kind of a heartwarming scene. It was. It was. It was beautiful. It was happy like, birthday. Listen. Yeah, happy like, birthday no, to man, the ground. Don't leave. We got a surprise party for you. It's over here. It's over oh, here. You're dead. Let's go say hi to the cheerleaders. Yeah. Come on, Kendra really likes you. <laughs> for who you are, not just because you're on the football team. Yeah. No, for- no. In this case, you don't want to let her know you're on that football team. She'll mm. think less of you. No, sir. Forty-five, fourteen, and honestly. Uh, and I know we always say this, not that close. Um, not I that close a, at all. I did a rude thing. I did math. Yeah? What'd you do? Just, Ew! I, so, so everybody, you know, the, the story of this game ostensibly is, hey, Michigan figured out when it's when it's raining a whole lot, you should just run the ball. Almost exclusively. Like, even, even of the passes Shea Patterson threw in the first half, one of them, I guess this wasn't ruled a pass because it was backwards, Jay Patterson threw one of the worst, I guess, throwaways I've ever seen. A backwards lateral that fortunately went out of ball out of bounds because it was to no one. And it was one of the most panic stupid decisions you you'll see outside of several others that actually happened. And I gotta so. say, when you're talking about bad passes and panic decisions and you say Shea Patterson's worst, yeah. that's yeah. like a triple high jump. But but to me the problem was not yes Notre Dame should have run the ball more granted but when they did they were very bad at it they are uh, uh, I counted and of the non sack runs that they have in the first half there were fourteen attempts they gained twenty four yards and they didn't have a single run longer than five yards mm-hmm. Michigan on the other side of that had thirty one non sack runs for one hundred and eighty yards but. There are um, four big runs in there, like 20-plus yarders in there. So if you take those away, Michigan's looking at 78 yards on 27 runs. It's only 2.8 yards a carry, but it's still a yard better than Notre Dame averaged. And I think in turn, that leads to this disturbing math stat. In the first half, Michigan's average uh, distance to gain on third down, 4.5 yards. Notre Dame's 7.2. Like, yes, Notre Dame probably should have run the ball more, but it's I, that is not like some guarantee that they would have found offense or success had they done it. The most, like, this is my last bit of math, I promise. The, the most confusing thing to me is, like, how did Michigan do this? This is not a running team that had had all that much success all year, they averaged 2.4 yards a carry against Army, 2.1 against Wisconsin, under four against Penn State, Iowa, and Rutgers. And and then they go out here and they run for 5.3 yards against a Notre Dame team that, that had been pretty decent against the run. Hadn't been, like, just getting killed or anything. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't understand it, man. Well, you know what the problem was on both sides of the ball? Yeah. Is that Notre Dame was too wet? If Think only Notre it. Dame had had previous experience with uh, with games of this type that their coaching staff could draw from to lead their team to, to stop laughing. 
surely it, it's just it's just a shame that they haven't been there before in the most in the most literal and inescapable terms. Okay, I will say this isn't as funny. This wasn't as funny as the NC State loss in in nope. a no, hurricane. No, that was a lot funnier for like grass based reasons. Yeah. Horticulturally right. and meteorologically, that was a much funnier game. Yeah. However, this one has the punch of being you know when you tell a joke and you keep telling the joke and it gets unfunny and then it gets funny again. Right. right. Welcome to the shutdown full cast. Yeah, we're there. Bring towels. So get more towels. So Ryan, you have brought us some science. Yeah. Uh, I am going to counter that with a little bit with of art. faith. Oh, okay. Faith, in fact, <laughs> faith. Are you no, there is no reason? art on this podcast. To be clear. Uh, no, so the cool somebody, thing about somebody the- drew the Mothman for Holly once. That was art. That's art, art, is, yeah. art is for liberals. Sorry. Uh-huh. Go ahead, Jason. Yeah, we got art. We got stained glass windows. We got we got a big picture of Jesus outside Whoa. our stadium. Oh boy, somebody's somebody's talking Catholics here. Oh no, actually, if you want stained glass, you can go to Florida State because they have Bobby Bowden in stained glass. Again, Wait, do they really? I've never told a joke. They have Bobby Bowden in stained glass. Well, I so mean, that's, the cool, that the cool like thing a good about spot for him Catholic, where you can't get into trouble. The, the cool thing about the Catholic Church is it has expanded universe lore. Right, like we, mm-hmm. we we have multiple Catholics on here. You can confirm this. There's all sorts so of shit Lord. outside the book that and, is. And Jesus said to Grand Admiral Thrawn. Sure, basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas, like where I come from, it's like, well, Joe we don't really, we don't really talk about Grievous. Corinthians all that much. It's a little bit, it's a little bit too nice. Right. Like even stuff that's in the book, you you kind of got to overlook. But with y'all, it's like, oh yeah, there was this dude in like the year 400 who like. Uh, he saw a snake, so how's, now he's like the saint of looking at snakes. Yeah, um, that, that's so, ja- that's Jake, Saint Jake. Saint, yeah. Let's talk about Saint Ajuter from uh, France. He uh, so the stories of his patronage uh, vary. I'm going to quote Wikipedia for a little bit, and then we'll get to what he's a patron saint of because it's pretty good. Uh, some state he was captured in the crusade. Uh, forced, tried to force him to abandon his faith. When he refused, he escaped persecution by swimming back to France. It's a really far way. Uh, there he became a recluse, blah, blah, blah. That's there are legends. That's super that's, dramatic. <laughs> there are legends that state he uh, RPG leveled up to gain water powers. Like he was able to summon whirlpools by throwing holy water. Like, sure. like he's, 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 he's got spells and shit. Catholicism is great, man. The stuff y'all make up just to tack on. Like, it is metal as hell. It's to sell medallions, man. We got to sell more medallions. Mm-hmm. So on, a Juder is credited as the patron saint of swimmers, boaters, and drowning victims. Wow. And I think oh. Notre Dame needs to like I was access say, does this guy's know powers. About this? <laughs> that's, a weird, <laughs> that's a weird thing to be like the patron saint of, to be like, hey, I'm the patron saint of swimming and also very much not swimming. Yeah, being good Wait, and bad is at swimming. is this Jacksonville's patron saint? Who's the patron a saint Juder. of jet skis? Is this guy the closest guy we have? Who's the patron saint of living in a shipping container after your wife kicks you out? Hey, boat theft is boating, isn't it? <laughs> boat saint. I mean, you can't have boat theft without boating. Otherwise, that's just that's sitting right. on a barge. That's stationary. You got to do some movement. Yeah, I'm. I, I don't know. My theory on this is this: that Michigan got really wet and really mad, and Notre Dame got wet and very sad because Michigan has had a very, very tough year, and Notre Dame has not. And that that is all the difference. Also, 
Notre Dame didn't bring one towel. Not a single towel. Like just nope. Brian Kelly screaming but on Michigan, the sidelines. Michigan fans offered them, so that was nice. They did. They threw them. See, that was what I was getting to. They tried to help them. Thank you. Oh, sure. When South Carolina fans do it, it's funny. When South Carolina fans do it, they're wasting good linen, right? When Michigan fans do it, I know they have better linens at home. Okay, that's fair. Right? I know that they understand. They're like, the thread count on these is much too low. I should throw them at that Notre Dame football player. Of all the things you could throw at a football player, a towel, kind of helpful, actually. Mm. It's like the least side of the stadium, you're Egyptian. Right side of the stadium, you're cotton. Let's go. Actually, thread count is not always the highest. Oh, God. Oh, God. It's in my blood. Yeah, no. It's in my suit. It's in my suit. The Michigan is in your suit. And it's mad. But, man, this is one of those games where in the third and fourth quarter, and this is the last thing I'll say about it, when the backups got in, even the backups got mean. The backups were just slamming Notre Dame around because this is the only time. They're like, I mean, you see teams do this sometimes in blowouts where they go, I'm not really going to get a chance to just absolutely kick someone's ass. For the rest of the year, it's going to be a fight. So I might as well take it out on these guys. It's a bummer. Um, the thing about nice sheets is that even if you have them, you can shit the bed. And that's what Oklahoma did. <laughs> I done messed up my credit again. I got to, got involved in a Ponzi scheme in Oklahoma Kansas. Oklahoma took out that Bath and Body Works credit card. <laughs> that's they say it only goes up to fifteen grand, but I owe seventy five thousand dollars to the people who make strawberry hand cream. No, that's the Bed Bath and Beyond credit card. Actually, that would be worse, man. Ooh, yeah. Who watched this game? I did not. <laughs> me, me. I don't feel great about it. No, actually, I feel terrific about it. I watched most of it, and yeah, this was this was not this was not fluky. This just looked like Kansas State. I know they hired a different guy. I know this is not Bill Snyder. However, when when Kansas State holds the ball for 40 minutes and runs the ball for over 200 yards and gets timely turnovers and takes a generally outstanding offense and drags them into the muck and slows them down to the point of frustration and ultimately defeat. Yeah, that's Kansas State. So I know this is typically applied to another Big 12 member, but Kansas State back. This is this is flawless. This was. I can't tell if that's a compliment or not. They I can't. think this is. I think Kansas State is back. Like if you look at, they recovered what two of the games, three fumbles, got uh-huh. a tipped interception on a trick play. That's Both right. of those set up short field touchdowns, saved mm-hmm. by like a knee on an onside kick. That's all extremely K State behavior. Also, did they, they were outgained? Yeah. They were outgained by 3.8 yards per play. That is extremely Kansas State, and that's also extremely Oklahoma in a loss. Oklahoma, I, I looked, their last one, two, three, their last five regular season losses, most of them, they've outgained the other team by more than a yard and a half per play. You can also throw Army in there when it was five <laughs> yards per play. Like Oklahoma plays soccer, just doesn't put the bowl in the net, I guess. I was watching this and thinking, you know, this is classic Bill Snyder depression era football, right? This is, oh no, don't throw those, don't throw those celery roots out. We can use those. Don't throw, don't throw the chicken skin out. Okay. You can use celery roots. Stop doing real things. But the, <laughs> not everyone does them. Lincoln uh, Riley's over here. Just like throw it, 
Throw it in the trash. Don't you have compost? Don't you make stock, Lincoln Riley? Don't you ever make delicious homemade chicken stock? I'm sorry. He's only into into fast flash fries and things that take under two to three minutes to cook. This is like the H&M offense, yeah. Yeah. This is is exactly – this is efficient. And I'm getting to my example of efficient, by the way. Skylar Thompson was their leading scorer on Saturday in the 48-41 upset of the Sooners. Skylar Thompson, basically, um, this is this is a I fell into a barrel of coupons at the market line for his rushing. 13 carries, 39 yards, average three a carry. His long was just 15, and he scored four TDs. That's those are Mike Allstott and his prime numbers. Right there. A vulture, if I have ever seen one in the red zone. Why did Mike Allstott never have a steak restaurant? Mm, Allstott's how, prime. How do you know he didn't? Hello, hello, hello. Oh, a guest is. Oh, a what? new guest is locked up. Speaking of steak, you know what goes with steak? Frites. Hey, speaking of Tampa. Hmm. The biggest. We, we, fa- uh, we're, we're joined now by Alex Kirshner, easily the world's biggest Tampa fan. The city, not any of the teams that play there. Who has Being never joined been. by Alex Kirshner reminds us to remark for the first time this show that we work at Banner Society. We're doing great. BannerSociety.com. Alex, you've never been to Tampa, correct? Uh, no. Someone has never sent me there to cover the Gasparilla Bowl. Um, like- in fact, <laughs> the people, the people who haven't done that, are all are all on this call. The people. Who wait, 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 wait. First is of all, it- I like that you just pronounced it with the the yeah. double L in Spanish. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, pronou- you pronounce it as if the people who made the Gasparilla Bowl <laughs> spoke Spanish or respected it enough. Wait, you, you it turned it. You turned L's? it into a menu item. It is. It is pronounced with the L's. Oh, no. I only, I only wish he had gone full Catalan with it and gone, Gas- <laughs> Gasparilla. Can I get a cheese Gasparilla? <laughs> no. No, that's root beer. No, wait, that's Gasparilla. Gasparilla. Just, just giving it the Peggy Hill Spanish treatment. I like it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, Ryan, I was going to do this, but Ryan's Peggy Hill is better than mine, which causes me no small amount of shame. Not doing it. Um, Alex, Oh, come on. Here. You are here, Alex. Peggy! About, Peggy Hill Spanish! To talk about weird playoff Ryan, scenarios. if you don't do it now, everybody's going to bug you on Twitter the second they hear this. Everybody bugs me on Twitter all the time anyway. It doesn't matter. <sighs> Suit yourself. Alex, you, you're here to bring us weird playoff scenarios. Um, Can I just pick from one of these and you can describe it? Would that work for Abs- you? Absolutely. Okay. <clears throat> Woke Forest. Woke Forest is one where, folks, you better stay on your toes because the Wake Forest Demon Deacons uh, remain alive in the playoff hunt as we enter week 10. Uh, so the scenario here is is it, not too convoluted, but, you know, a bit convoluted. Uh, obviously, it involves Wake Forest uh, currently with one loss, uh, winning the rest of its games. That's going to include a win in divisional play against Clemson, which would be, uh, you know, arguably the best win that anybody has to date. Uh, that would give win, uh, Wake exactly one good win, um, and that is their total number of good wins that they would, would have at that point, um, given the league that they play in. But they'd probably be 2-0 and against the, the Selection Sunday Top 25. And J- Jason, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but I think that 2-1 and one or 3-1 and one is like pretty normal. And, and Wake would benefit because its loss was to Louisville, which – won't even be good enough to be in the top 25. Um, so they'll benefit from that. <laughs> uh, dis- could, disagree with that. Louisville could sneak in there, actually. L- Louisville's on a yeah, little bit of a... They're good. God, yeah. that'd be terrific. Um, 
but yeah, if so, let's say that Wake does this because the ACC um, is going to have possibly like nine, six, and six teams. Who can say? Um, Wake could have like nine or even ten wins against bowl teams, which is something that the committee cares about um, ostensibly and has supposedly valued in the past. Um, they'd have a win over like six and six or seven and five Utah State, which great for them. Congrats. Um, they'd still need some help, and that could happen if whoever loses Bama LSU then loses again, which would take the SEC's two-bid scenario mostly out of play. Um, you would then also, you know, kind of along with that, you'd want Georgia um, to lose to Florida. Oh, oh, we already want that. But win the SEC championship. So then you'd have a two-loss Georgia winning the SEC, but they'd have a loss to South Carolina and a loss to Florida. And look, I mean, this is probably not going to happen, but <laughs> imagine, <laughs> imagine if we had a scenario where the SEC – got no bids i I think you've already found something more far-fetched than wake forest making the playoff (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. like two less georgia makes it over one less but proceed proceed (laughs) we'll proceed because you know let's let's say that that happens um or really anything happens because you don't actually need the sec to miss out i mean you could have just one sec team in the field um and you could have a situation where you had ohio state one sec team uh and then two of three of wake forest um, a one-loss Pac-12 champ, which, spoiler, not going to happen, uh, and a one-loss Big 12 champ, Wake Forest, uh, in the field if that happens. It's, it's week 10, and you could devise a realistic scenario, even one that doesn't require the SEC to miss out altogether, uh, that would have Wake in the field. Spencer and Holly, I'm not going to ask Jason because this is, he might know it, and I don't, I don't trust – he knows a lot of things, but you, uh, like me, please, listen. Please finish that thought. Hold on. Do either of you two know – if Wake Forest is ranked, and if so, what they're ranked. And if you can get within two spots, I'll give it to you. Uh, 22. 14. I have no idea. What did Spencer Wait, say? Also, also receiving Four, votes. 14. Okay, Spencer's way off. They're 23. So, Holly... I said 22. Yeah. Why are they 14? <clears throat> yeah. That's, they're clearly the 14th best team in the nation. Holly, Holly, you step over here with Jason and Alex on the good people who know things. Spencer, you stay with me on the dumb on the dumb table. Dumb island. I think no. I think you're the Wake Forest believers. <laughs> That's right. It's not called Friend Island. I, I think you're you're literally in Wake Forest. <laughs> okay. Um. Alex, give me Minnesota. Minnesota <laughs> is simple. Minnesota uh, involves Minnesota winning all of its games. Uh, I have gone through this. I think that there's probably nothing else that does it for. Uh, our our good gopher lads. Uh, are you saying that Minnesota are the winners of our discontent? Yes. Yes, that is what I'm saying. Because <laughs> um, if they win out, I mean, you know, I think it's not many people would disagree that a 13-0 Big Ten champ um, is in. You know, it, let's pretend that Minnesota lost to Penn State in a couple of weeks, but then... Let's beat. also find the people who think a 13-0 Big Ten team should not be in the playoff because I want them on the show. Yeah, and they do. Yeah. I mean, we oh, no, I'm positive yeah, they, they exist. exist. They I just exist. want to party with them. Um, the interesting question is if you could have a 12-1 Minnesota um, that won the Big Ten, um, thereby probably beating Ohio State, but lost to Penn State this week... Or mm-hmm. in two weeks, I'm curious what you guys think about it. I think no, that's not going to do it. Um, you might be able to devise an, a scenario where it does, um, kind of along the lines of what we just did, but probably not because that's going to give that Minnesota team 
exactly one really nice win, maybe two, but Wisconsin could be like an eight and four team. Like Wisconsin might not be. Let's focus on the weird here. 13 and 0 Minnesota. That's our goal. We're um, not budging. Let's let's do that. Let's have that be the path. I suspect Alex has an unspoken desire here to see Penn State fans suffer. Uh, And in this, he and I are, of course, aligned. So, I mean, yeah, I always, I, I always hope that. nothing for the best for for my brethren from Central Pennsylvania. I mean, oh, my mistake. Yeah, the closest corollary here is probably what 2015 Iowa. Mm. I was actually thinking about 2016 Wisconsin, okay. which went into the Big Ten championship against a white hot Penn State, 12 and 0, but hadn't played anybody of consequence. Uh, a lot of people would have been furious if they'd made the playoff, but um, you know they wind up losing to Penn State, and that. You know, obviously, twelve and one without a championship was not going to get them with their schedule. I think that this Minnesota team might be similar to that. Their best win um, in that scenario would be a pretty good win. It would be a win against a Penn State team that's going eleven. Listen, and one listen, man, this two. Illinois win but just keeps looking better and better. Yeah, that's, man, that's a ball win. Count yeah, on. come on. I it's you, you beat Ohio State and Penn State again. here in. Let's let's settle on. You got to be thirteen and zero probably if you're Minnesota, and because why why would we want to dream about anything else? To be clear, if they beat Ohio State and Penn State, like we will start the PJ Flex to get the Michigan job. No, no, you know how this works, right? If they beat Ohio State mm-hmm. in the Big Ten uh, championship game, right? And that's who they would be playing, correct? Most likely, yes. yeah. Probably. Huh. Right. So, yeah. Um, th- no, that was just idiot me making sure I wasn't putting two people <sighs> in the same division. Like, okay. So, oh, I thought you meant Ohio State might lose a bunch of games. So, no, Ohio no, no. State wins the Legends division. Yeah, the, the <laughs> which is easy to remember via the acronym. Um, if that happens, they fire Ryan Day and they hire PJ Fleck on the spot. That's what Ohio State would do. And if not on the spot, then in a week. And you know who's taking that? Both of them. They would just because somebody in the Ohio State's going. Listen, do we have to watch the long, slow Mark Helferching of Ryan Day here? No, we're just going to go ahead, skip to the next step. We're going to hire the guy who beat us with um, no one, like absolutely no one. That would be like you could not name a player on Minnesota right now. Tanner Morgan. Johnson. Maybe. Maybe. Sorry. Did you say Johnson? Yes. Johnson. (laughs) Lillian Hellman. They have a Johnson. You think you think you think I'm being evasive. (laughs) They they have a Johnson. (laughs) They have a Johnson. Alex, and both of these I things can this. be true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's it. If PJ Fleck wins that game, they have a this Ohio State team. Yeah, there's absolutely no way they won't just go ahead and hire him. Um, Alex, give me Pony Up, literally. So Pony Up is is my favorite scenario here, where SMU just extorts somebody on the committee and requires them to literally pony up. Um, I think that they've got the reach to do that. And if there's anything that's ever going to get a G5 school into the playoff, um, then it's some Dallas oil baron. It's a combination of grift and graft. Our two favorite. Barry Alvarez doesn't want release. I I don't know. Um, So so who who does not have the money for that? Alex, who's your, who's your mark here? Let's of the people who are not currently working anywhere. You um, have, you have a Texas man in RC Slocum. Uh, Ronnie Lott, Frank Beamer. Um, you can uh, get- yeah, I was gonna let's let's. Right, Frank, we already know that Frank Beamer has extremely erotic eyes. Are you asking which members of the committee 
are the most blackmailable or extortable. Yes. We're looking into entering a business arrangement. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Gary Barda. No, no. it's easy. <laughs> it's, done. it's Iowa's athletic director, Gary Barda. <laughs> That's that's the pony up scenario is that SMU gets an inside person. Uh, it's probably going to be an inside man. Uh, let's let's be frank, uh, given the numbers at play here. Um, I believe there is uh, one. Also, woman women on, are on too smart committee. to fall for this. Absolutely. Both in terms of uh, intelligence and numbers, the men are the most likely to be the subject of this operation. Thank you, um, Alex. That and they could do it. App State does part. not have the resources to mount a campaign like this, but SMU absolutely does. They could, they could ask Gerald Ford. Did you and guys I don't hear mean the Alex just, I mean, there are other Gerald Ford who their stadium's named after. Did you guys just hear Alex make a business decision, like we say, when a quarterback runs out of bounds, but on a podcast? So could App State, instead of, like, SMU has the uh, has the carrot, could App State, could App State like, subtly threaten to assassinate someone if they yeah, don't that's more it of a kid that's more of a kidnap your family than it's right. like it's no, like yeah yeah subtly threaten to execute anyone i mean come on this is dallas after all come on. i also that's assume like that's, that's why never frank, happened before i also assume that's why frank beamer's on the committee so that if app state tries that he's like right. i know every inch of these yeah. mountains I'll yeah yeah you. No, i'm not gonna i'm not gonna stick stick with me boys we're not gonna get caught in the woods by app state we can rank them 13th Arkansas no, State's Fred athletic Beamer director is on the committee in case any of the committee members' wives need tending to on these long trips. Mm, no comment on that. Arkansas He's State's athletic being. director um, is on the committee, and I believe that they presumably make some trips to Boone. Boone could, you know, App, App State could threaten to kind of have like a uh, militia situation there where they kind of don't let him leave. Um, if, I feel I think Arkansas State finds it rude if you don't greet them with a militia situation. Yeah, Probably they're like, what, fair. you think we're not, you think it wouldn't take a militia? You think it can take us with civil forces? Like 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 when the two when uh App and ASU get together, there's there's like a formal gathering of militias. Like instead of marching bands, you know, like the militias do a tribute to each other at halftime. Mm. Yeah, probably so. That'd be kind of Alex, sweet. I, I have cannot... to spell this one out because you got punny with it. B A E Baylor. I don't get it. Where where Baylor is is your bay, and they make the playoff. That's Got a scenario. Um, so obviously winning out's going to do it. Um, but I think in Baylor's case, you could devise a situation where Baylor loses a game um, and still makes the playoff, which is silly on the surface, but I think it works. So they beat Oklahoma. Um, they make their loss a close one to someone manageable, like a Texas or a TCU. Um, you then beat Oklahoma. That's right, Texas. You've now been equated to TCU. Yes. I mean, that's hey, good. Texas, that's, you're still a decent loss. That's actually a compliment given what happened this week. But yeah. mm-hmm. Yes, correct. Beat Oklahoma again. That's two wins against Oklahoma in like, you know, a month. Um, that leaves you at 12 and one with what I have figured would be about a five and one record against both teams um, and three and one or so against the top 25 if they lose. Because Let's say that they lose to Texas, then Texas will just be ranked number 23 because that's just how it goes. Correct. Um, TCU conceivably could move up. They'd be like 3-1 and one against the top 25 uh, on Selection Sunday. The SEC finds a way to be just one team. Uh, Oregon and Utah both lose, which totally, you know, I mean, we just kind of should assume that would happen. And boom, you've got it. Um, you've, you've suddenly cleared <laughs> enough spots um, for a 12-1 and one Big 12 champion Baylor to be in the field 
Um, and I think that that is fine. Um, they, Can I ask, let me, let me, let me yeah. ask you a, a pointed question. How yeah. confident are you that undefeated Baylor would make the playoffs? 100%. Is that is that a shared opinion on this on this podcast? No, uh, no. <laughs> although I do think there would, I do think it would be context dependent. Like I, I think that, I think that there would be a level of skepticism surrounding even an undefeated Big Twelve champ. But I also think the level of that skepticism would depend on what was happening in the other better regarded leagues. That's fair. Is that fair? That's a fair like context specific answer. Yeah. If yeah, I, I'm if, sorry for introducing context onto the show. It will again. not happen again. Never again. If you have a 13 and 0 Big 12 champ, uh, I will take any odds that that team is in. Okay. I will be the only person to Riverside it because I have seen time and time again how the people in charge of the sport will simply say that doesn't count. This this is <laughs> kind of where if they don't want it to. This is kind of where my head was going. Yeah, and and like, to be clear, it's not that I think a thirteen and zero Big Twelve champ generally. It's more like thirteen and zero Baylor. Like yeah, if yeah. you said Texas, if you said OU, even if you said like West Virginia, not this year, obviously. Um, Oklahoma State. Word. I don't. I, I don't. I feel like Baylor is maybe still out of that mentally with some of the committee. But I don't know. I could. That could be totally wrong. And I think Holly's right. It depends more on like what does the Big Twelve look like at that point. What do the other conferences look oh, like? Uh, yeah. Like like if if it's between if it's between Baylor, who nobody wants in, mm. or wait, or God forbid, an undefeated Wake Forest, and what. An eleven and one Alabama, or an eleven and one Ohio State. Yeah. If it's any of the other marquee teams who always win the championship in this sport with one loss, they lose. It'll be oh, what great controversy! This is what makes the sport great. It doesn't. But because yeah, ultimately, and this is like, <laughs> no offense, but you are who you are. Like, what kind of national hell is Baylor gonna raise? If they don't get into the conversation, who in 2019 is going to feel bad for them? Well, and we might not get to see that, but if you want to see what that like, I'm not making a value judgment. I'm just saying what I think is going to happen. No, I agree. And if you want to see that same reaction, then uh, look to seven and five Liberty, not getting picked for like the cure bowl or something like that. And you'll get the same kind of uh, outrage, but that's just because they don't believe in cancer. (laughs) Um, Let's see. We still have, um, Leaders and legends. Give me this one. God, well, can you imagine Hugh Freeze in a bowl that involves breasts? <laughs> like, just for one second, just having Hugh Freeze talk about how this is an issue near and dear to his heart, like the nipple. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Here's sports. That's woman's cancer that we're talking about. Leaders and legends. Leaders and legends is uh, a scenario uh, that that really excites me uh, as an alum from uh, a Big Ten university uh, and a longtime one at that. Um, a lifetime Big Ten fan, absolutely. Um, where the Big Ten is your two bid league and the SEC is not, and nobody else is. Um, the way that this would happen is that Penn State and Ohio State both went out aside from their game, so one of them is thirteen and zero, um, and the other is eleven and one with a. Uh, high quality loss, the kind of loss that would make Texas proud. Um, Whoever wins the LSU-Bama game wins out. So you have your SEC and your Big Ten champ. But the loser of LSU-Bama drops another. This would be maybe Bama losing the Iron Bowl or LSU losing to A&M because 
who the hell knows uh, what that is going to be in any given year, even when LSU is way better. Um, so you found a way for the SEC to be a one-bit conference. Uh, you have your Pac-12, uh, Oregon and Utah's both losing, which again feels like something that is absolutely going to happen. Um, Baylor beats Oklahoma, so Oklahoma's done, but then Baylor loses to somebody else, um, anybody else. Um, and then you have kind of a, you know, you, you know, you might be looking at a 12 and one Baylor, but they don't have two great wins. Um, they only have the one over Oklahoma. Um, and then I think that if that happens, correct me if I'm wrong, but you would have your seating would be like Bama or LSU would be one. Uh, the Penn State Ohio State winner would be two, Clemson would be three, and then the Penn State Ohio State loser would be four. I think that that is doable if the Big Twelve and Pac twelve cooperate. Am I am I wrong on that? I mean, does anybody see any reason why that couldn't happen? It's it's feasible, sure. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I think we've demonstrated. I mean, obviously, we've demonstrated the SEC can pull this off, and the Big Ten is, I think, just as good about. Uh, having a wide range of team quality that allows for having, you know, several top 10 type teams. So sure. Like it, we've, like we had a year not long ago where if we'd gone to five, the big 10 would have gotten multiple in. This is just one step further. My, yeah. o- my only question is going to be if the committee cares about like two teams from the same division. I don't, and I don't know that they will, but that seems like the only potential hiccup. I don't believe they would. I don't. I don't think they would. But also, like the, sometimes the committee just decides to come up with new things they care about. It's all arbitrary, and none of it is actually explained. But like, there is no reason to this point why they would care. Right. I guess we right, could say. Right. Yeah. All right. This is the N- none of it's explained from week to week. I should say. Alex, I believe this is the last of your scenarios. The most ambitious crossover event in history. Absolutely. Two SEC teams, two Big Ten teams. <laughs> Absolutely in play right now, no matter where anybody comes. <laughs> here's, here's how we get there. Penn State beats Ohio State, goes undefeated. Obviously, Penn State is in. Ohio State otherwise wins out, gets yep. its customary win against Michigan, and it's only L is to a 13-0 Penn State. Um, it's going to be very, very hard, just in general. You know, we've seen 11-1 and Ohio State teams make the playoff without a conference championship before. I think that anybody with eyes would acknowledge that this is a top four team. Um, so you'd kind of have a bit of a conflict maybe between most deserving and top, but let's continue. Clemson loses the ACC championship game. Perhaps a, a pitting happens there um, and is 12 and one <laughs> with another uh, uh, 2016 what? Wisconsin type resume, right? Clemson hasn't played anybody. Um, I think we all agree that if they go undefeated, they're in, but let's pretend that they lose to some coastal team in the championship game. Clemson's 12 and one, forget Clemson in this scenario. Oregon and Utah both lose. Keeps coming up. Probably going to happen. Baylor loses somewhere. Oklahoma loses again. So you do not have an undefeated Big 12 champion. I think that in this scenario, you could easily argue for Bama 1. Let's say they beat LSU. Penn State 2. They beat Ohio State. LSU 3. Ohio State 4. You have, uh, with the uh, delighted delighted cheering of the folks who will televise the playoff, though though we, we don't accuse anybody of impropriety, here, no, but, we just say it. Um, <laughs> uh, Which members of the committee are most bribable, most extortable? Who it's could not say? slander if you're stupid. 
Alex, do, do you then have don't laugh uh, at our entire Ohio defense. State fans doing their annual um, the TV corporations are biased against us because we're ranked number four here thing? Yes, yes, <laughs> like, absolutely, <'cause, laughs> absolutely. You do our, our favorite uh, our favorite conspiracy theory every single year. Absolutely, you probably you could honestly add in. I mean, this could go all the way to the top. You could have like the White House furious that someone has tried to take 21st Century Fox out of a uh, Penn State, Ohio State game. You know, if the seating doesn't work out, you're just trying to take Fox's best property and give that to ESPN. I mean, there's there's a lot of opportunities here. Let um, me. Can for, I make this? Can I make this? Kind of thing. Can I make this scenario weirder for you? And you tell me if it, I've broken it or not. Absolutely. Does it work if? Either Penn State or Ohio State makes it to the Big Ten Championship undefeated. So does Minnesota. Minnesota wins. Ooh, that's a great time. Um, then my best guess would be that whoever loses to Minnesota in the Big Ten Championship is out. Um, and whoever <laughs> and whoever. I mean, this is what's funny, right? Like, I, oh, I, now I, we're having fun. I would think that, like, let's say that Penn State beats Ohio State um, and then goes to Indy and loses to Minnesota. Yeah. If Minnesota, you think one loss Ohio State is getting that spot over Penn State. Yeah, right? Because one, <laughs> one, one, one of them lost to Minnesota and one wow. of them didn't. Well, and mean, so there's a lot going rational. on there. No, no, I'm with Alex. This is great. I mean, like that would be the funnier thing for sure. So, oh yeah, let's That's, go but, with that. I but, think I think yeah. I think the committee typically goes more by who you beat than who you lost to. Yes, I agree. But that's if things are even. If they say, "Well, this well, is a perfect chance to just agree Ohio State is better than Penn State," then that's what they go with. But if if <laughs> if that happens, is the Big Ten getting two te- te- is the Big Ten getting two teams in if one of them is an undefeated Minnesota and the other is a one loss Penn State Ohio State? Yeah, in this scenario, yeah, I would say so. And I mean, you can even make it really easy for yourself if you see Ohio, like let's take Ohio State being the team that's in the Big Ten Championship because the committee has shown in previous years that Ohio State getting embarrassed by some mediocre Big Ten West team is grounds for them to be dismissed. Uh, So you would just have that again. I mean, I guess it might depend on how close the game is, but... I mostly like that in this example where Minnesota has gone undefeated and won the Big Ten Championship... It, to you, they are still some mediocre Big Ten West team. Somebody's been listening to PAPN. That's that's Bud Elliott's music. And, and we want to. I want to be on record as saying that Minnesota is great, um, and we respect uh, them. Well, having, having they're they're great from a. Um, yeah, they're fun. They're fine. They're fun. They're fun. <laughs> Ryan Ryan gave me an analogy uh, that I used in the top whatever this week um, on Banner Society, which is a college football website, um, where. Hmm. They are they are kind of on a roll at the blackjack table right now, and nobody thinks that they are you know going to become a pro gambler or even make enough money to make like a car payment. But that money is theirs <laughs> until they hit on like seventeen, <laughs> until they hit on seventeen and bust, um, which will probably happen. Um, but for PJ now, it's their Fleck money. has never stood on seventeen in his life and does not intend to start now, son. Um. These are these are horrifying scenarios. And <laughs> these are all bad, and I maintain these are all bad. They're wonderful, and I still maintain my rebuttal to all of these is that the committee would say, "But what if not?" <laughs> that's, I that's mean, yeah, do. because that's what they actually do. <laughs> but what if not? The most pernicious um, way this can play out is Minnesota goes undefeated, wins the Big Ten title game, and they still take one loss: Ohio State and Penn State, and not Minnesota, <laughs> which they could do. 
I do treasure I yeah. do treasure Alex though for bringing to mind well, the image of someone trying to blackmail Frank Beamer and what his reaction would be like. Yeah, it's pretty good. You know what? The, okay, for one second, bear with me. You know what the committee could bring up though? They specifically do mention that they take key injuries into account. Um, if you listen to PAPN at any point over the last couple of weeks, you might be uh, astonished to learn. I know I was at. And again, I'm not denigrating Minnesota football because no undefeated seasons happen without a big measure of luck. It is very hard to go undefeated, which is why so few teams do it. And so even fewer teams do it several years in a row. Go look at the number of teams Minnesota has played so far this season who are on their second or third string quarterback. It's like five. five gobble you. It's so many teams. It's it's the majority of their schedule. I will yeah. not. I yeah. will not stand this Which, slander. And by the way, Gophers. no. Listen, this isn't slander. I am saying that this uh, this is. I'm saying take this into account. If they run into an L that you maybe can't explain. Oh, okay. Uh, on that side of the ball, a little further down the line, but also, shit like this happens every year. Teams get bounces or teams don't, and these bounces are so significant that. I mean, look how many undefeated seasons we actually end up with, regardless of all the hand-wringing everybody does right around this time of year about the number of undefeated teams we have. Also, Alex, yeah, go ahead. I'm go. sorry again for speaking sense, and I will try to stop. Great joy in all of this, by the way, is go ahead, in your in your mind, role play as bowl reps. Oh, man, the deals. God, we were born the a deals, decade too late. The deals that really... you would be able to pull off the scrap pile of this particular car crash of a playoff scenario. Oh man. We were all born like a decade too late, except for Spencer to get really good grift opportunities. The best part about bowl reps in the current setup is like, if you're the fucking sugar bowl rep, what do you, your teams are assigned to you. You do nothing. You basically plan, plan lunches and dinners. You you plan. Yeah. You plan. Very nice. You're a junketeer. Like pastels. You probably have a lot of pastels. If you're any team in the top, like 10 bowls you do basically nothing but you still travel you still go to these games oh sure sure (laughs) i think you know i've seen them three times but i think i need to see a fourth hawaii home game just to make sure get out there you know a week early make sure i really (laughs) have an understanding of them the citrus bowl reps are here again in hawaii the the pinstripe bowl reps are here again what my the pinstripe bowl at the LSU Bama game in 2011 is still my favorite bowl rep encounter in the wild. Um, Alex, before we let you go, please pick one of your scenarios that you think would cause maximum angst and anguish nationwide. Well, I think it's the most ambitious crossover event in history. <laughs> really, it's, <laughs> the, it's it's not the one where SMU bribes someone. <laughs> I mean, I think that what the you, internet. Why do you keep the, saying when SMU bribes someone? Right, <laughs> that might be a little too on the nose. Sorry, I can't say that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm just saying you're you're acting like SMU yeah. bribes haven't happened already, and I find that confusing. Uh, the the only problem with the SMU bribe scenario is there will be Houston counter bribes because Tillman Fertitta is not about to let SMU get in the playoffs. Tillman's got no, some other things on his mind about now. That's I the only thing. The SMU one, do people really get mad? That's cute. That's just SMU right. being. I think the that's the SMU we yeah. love. Um, the no, SMU. Hi, hi. Do you remember UCF? If SMU just waltzes into the playoff 
off one Oh, are you telling me UCF fans would be mad? Wow, I can't imagine. That would be very different. Yeah, UCF fans might get annoying online. Pinch me. 80,000 students, yeah. Right. Uh, 80,000 UCF. <laughs> That's a lot of Florida fans and, and FSU as eight, fans. Yeah. As eight SMU alone. Okay. So you the, think the group, the group text that has every UCF fan would just be a blaze. You think double big God, 10. There's a lot of Androids. Double big yeah. 10, double SEC is the one. I think um, that is the one because that, that is the one that gets you the farthest into like MSNBC SPN. Right. That's also my personal goddamn nightmare because just every news coverage of it is going to be stupid no matter what. Like you're not even gonna you're not even gonna be able to watch coverage of the teams that you like. My sneaky pick is um is the Wake Forest example because everybody is already like, listen, if Clemson doesn't get it, the ACC doesn't deserve a bid, and if Wake Forest broke Wake Forest, mind you, broke that, I think that would cause like that is where you would see the second best team in the Big Ten, the Pac-12 champ. Maybe a Big 12 team that gets like you would see everybody turn their guns and say, fuck you. How dare Wake Forest take this spot from us? Oh, yeah. Literal guns. Literal actual guns. Yeah. Could you imagine what would happen if like the recession hit and there were no bankers around because Wake Forest was in the the playoff (laughs) that night? Like who, who would be in the offices in Charlotte that night to make sure that like. They can properly foreclose on There'd people's homes. There'd be a nationwide BOFA shortage. Also, Duke, <laughs> Duke grads. That's true. That's true. That'd be their moment to shine. It'd be basketball season, so they're out too. Oh, shit. Oh, God. This is how the revolution happens. Wake Forest, do it for everyone. Okay, Alex, we have to dismiss you from the podcast now because otherwise you'll be tainted oh, by our You're just making words. too much sense, Alex. Thank you guys for having me. It's, it's, a, it's a true pleasure as always. We love you. We'll see you at Gathbaria. Um, that would be Alex Kirshner. Did excellent work on the top whatever this week. Always does excellent work. But you know, this week was the top whatever, which you can read on bandersociety.com. Thank you. Jesus. Yes. Our our home website and your home for college football community, news, insight, culture ethos all those things I was also say, are you out are you out of nouns yeah i'm out of yeah ran out of, that finally <laughs> happened real estate Sunday, you're Sunday home for real estate brooms <laughs> 10 uh 10 ran out of nouns uh but yeah that's alex kershner follow him read him love him as we do i think this takes us back to uh Ohio State being the best team that we talked about because they would be one in the nightmare scenario of two Big Ten teams and two SEC teams. <laughs> Correct? Yeah. They are. Um, you say potato, I say telekinesis. So Ohio State processing Wisconsin into a fine paste. Obviously a lot of, lost a lot of luster after Wisconsin uh, dropped a game to the surging Illini. But Ohio State's defense is fucking insane, man. They never, in the first half, the Wisconsin defense actually played pretty well. They held Ohio State to three punts and a 49-yard field goal on their first four possessions. The offense never crossed the 50 in the first half. Ohio State's defense, as we record this podcast, is number one in S&P+, tackles for a loss per game, yards per play allowed, 
red zone scoring percentage, and in eight games, they have given up a grand total of six touchdowns to the opposing offense. Is that good? That seems good. It's <laughs> very fucking, like, they are, because, like, I, I hesitate to say this, because they play in the Big Ten, the national conversation about their defense is much less muted than it would be if they played in, I think, either the ACC or the SEC. This is this defense is horrifying to play. Is 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 sacking is getting four sacks in a game good in college? It's extremely good. Yeah. Are you doing extremely good in the language of that hot air balloon tweet? Yes. Yeah. Is that is that good? <laughs> yeah. Is Malik Harrison good? Yeah, he's good. Everyone on this everyone on this defense is outstanding. Chase Young will be the one who I think is, you know, the next in Dumakonsu in terms of this person's probably going to finish third in the Heisman because at this pace, it will be hard not to give him votes for an award, which has since time eternal largely gone to offensive players. He is an offensive player, by the way. And I, they, sometimes you, things just get juxtaposed in a way to really accidentally tell you something really important about something. Uh, one of these is, is I was watching, if you don't follow Brian Baldinger, Baldinger, on Twitter. Which um, I do as of today for one reason. Yes, that's right. Well, first of all, he's an NFL analyst who has an impressive greenhouse setup. And, and I like, he's got the peppers, he's got this the herbs going. This is not a weird joke. He's got an enormous greenhouse full of No, plants. and he breaks it down like he's talking about film. He takes his phone around and goes, yeah, got the greenhouse going. Got a little midnight rider the way he says by the snow, almonds. The way he says snowdrops. And you got the snowdrops here, getting the herbs set up. Yeah. He's a fantastic follow, but he also breaks down film. And one of the things that Baldinger broke down was a play where a screen is the obvious call and is happening, and a defensive end in the NFL does not get back to break it up. Pretty simple, right? Just saying this is unexcusable. Um, this is not what you do at the NFL level, right? This might happen in college, but on the whole, a defensive end is supposed to get back and bust up that play by himself in the NFL, the defensive end is expected to bust up a screenplay single-handedly. Not the expectation in college. Guess what? I watched Chase Young do like twice against Wisconsin in situations where they called screens on third and long. What? Yeah, that? Chase Young completely destroyed the play before it before like pre-snap knew what was happening and went over and blew up the play himself with ease. Not like, oh man, what an amazing play, but like, oh, that was routine. It's terrifying how good he is. Ohio State, uh, and this is, I'm stealing this straight from PAPN because I think Godfrey has put it best. Ohio State is so good at this point that they make, that. You qu- they make you question whether the team they have just destroyed was ever good. That happened when they beat Cincinnati 42-0. That happened in this game. They won 38-7. Like, if they, if they beat, if they crush Penn State, the same thing will happen. We'll say, well, Penn State was never... And, and like, it is very hard to step away and say, like, wait, if this keeps happening, that probably means more about Ohio State than it does about the, their opposition. If they keep making everybody look totally fucking... And that's the thing, is they look totally fucking clueless. Nebraska is not a great or even that good college football team, but Ohio State made them look like they barely understood what football was. Indiana is having a pretty good season. And Ohio State still beat them by 41 fucking points. Like, 
this team is is just utterly fucking terrifying right now. It's great. And it's great that Michigan, coming off a big win against Notre Dame, probably starts to think that maybe they can win that game. I no. don't think that's true at all. They know better. No. They know better. They they don't. No. They absolutely know better. You tell you say right now, hey Michigan fans, how you feeling about Ohio State? They'll say, leave us alone. Stop. <laughs> Let us have a, a moment of happiness, please. Yeah, okay, they, fine. Ohio fine. State I has. Say, I would say Ohio eight State out of has every kind Michigan. Of the, yeah, eight out of every ten. Eight will, out of every ten Michigan. Fans how many Michigan fans describe? do y'all actually know uh, in real life? I don't know any. Jane. Oh, I thought we were talking about Minnesota. What was I doing? <laughs> The answer is playing Super Mario Brothers three, but okay, the sorry. yeah Minnesota's confident about Ohio State. They're like, let us at those bastards. Yeah, we'll kick what, their asses. That's yeah, that's I was that's yeah. why I was confused for a second because I can't tell those beautiful states apart. We the, can take uh, this out in post, right? Yeah. Ohio State does kind of have the Bama problem. Bama runs into this every year. Bama's played no one. It's like, well, they've they've ruined everyone. Right. Th- there is no like. <laughs> Yeah, Ohio State. It certainly looks like they've played right no now. one after they're done with them. The answer to me is clear about the difference between Ohio State this year and Ohio State last year. Got rid of some dead weight, didn't they? Let's hire that guy as a head coach again. <laughs> yeah, they lost 200 pounds of unsightly gristle. What All does right. Greg Giano qualify on as the meat scale? Is that gristle? Gristle? Yeah. And Urban Meyer? Urban Meyer, definitely. So Sinew. He's, he's marrow. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, that's that. Evidently, <laughs> evidently, what was holding them back uh, was their coaching. There we go. Done. Ryan Day, by the way, can't entertain that compliment at all, right? Like, I guess you're just a better coach than Meyer. No, no, no. Yes, yes. Keep saying that. Keep saying it. He's real normal looking for an Ohioan. For now, he's kind of mm. rosy. It's like the Santa. No, but he looks like a person. He no, it's like, like the... Dor- he kind of has that rosy look of like Dorothy during the color, uh, the color segments of Wizard of Oz. No, it's it's like the Santa Claus. He's just going to start looking more and more like Woody Hayes or something monstrous. <laughs> Ryan, you're saying oh, he no. looks like a Turner Classic colorized movie, like yes, where they go back and take a black and white movie and yes, yes, that's exactly yeah, I think it. so. The. Next item that I really wanted to talk about was uh, was this, that uh, the Big 12, as Bud Elliott has pointed out, went full crab and bucket on Saturday. <laughs> <laughs> all the crabs, one bucket. In the same. No one getting out. All the favorites lost. Baylor won. How did Baylor win? Baylor didn't play football on Saturday. How'd y'all let Baylor in charge of things? Someone should look into this. And... Uh, also, we're not going to forget about how Kansas managed to win a game, and they literally won a game by losing it for a second, and then getting it was the, it was the most successful blocked kick for the kicking team ever. <laughs> please, please describe it because I will screw it up. So, with about uh, I don't know, let's say like thirteen twenty seconds left, Kansas is lining up for a makeable but not particularly close field goal that will win the game for them if they make it the field goal is blocked the uh one of the members of the defending team takes the ball starts to run with it you know because it's a live ball and wants to see if he can get 
um, Texas Tech in position to maybe win the football game with a vehicle of their own. He attempts to lateral it. And I say attempts because it's not even clear like who he was going for, if there was somebody there or whatever. Kansas ends up recovering the ball. Jason, I don't know, it's like 10, 15 yards closer than where they had it previously. Yep. And now they have almost no... T- there is still time left on the clock. There's two or three seconds. So Kansas now, by kicking a field goal that got blocked gets a chance at a closer field goal, which they make and win the game. And I think we were all hoping at this point that Les Miles said, time to fake it. Got to throw. It's basically one of those like old NCAA mini games where they're like, recreate this great ending. And some of them are like, score 21 points and blah, blah, blah. This would be the one you just be like, I can't fucking do it. How? Like, yeah, I give up. This achievement will this achievement will go will remain locked because I cannot I cannot like get my own blocked kick back. Yeah, it was good because this happened around the same time that Duke threw themselves out of at least game tying, if not game winning position against UNC because they had a halfback do the Tebow jump pass and he basically threw it right to a defend a defensive lineman. I think maybe a linebacker. There was a lot of stupid that all coalesced in one moment. And I love when that happens on a Saturday. It's like everybody, everybody just short circuited just for like five minutes. Uh, Speaking of short circuiting and I don't know, maybe not having your wiring up to code. That also seems like a valid transition here. Hey, let's talk about Auburn. Cause, uh, yeah, you got some dry rot (laughs) or how's this? You, I think maybe considering Bo Nix's age mm. and his inexperience, you might have tried to build on that concrete before it set properly. Might have been a little wet. There was a dude in the Banner Society Slack, and I won't call this person out by name, and I actually don't know if they're male or female, so I shouldn't assume. Um, it was a guy. It, it's a dude. Okay. Well, Ladies are dudes, um, too. This is absolutely true. That's a good point. But this point. was a dude. Uh, we do a Slack on Saturday. You can sign up for it. Look for it on Twitter. Of course, we don't have a clean link for it. Are you new here? Uh, and and after, L- uh, after LSU won this game, was going on and on about, you know, Auburn has this great defense, and they're blowing it with this garbage offense, and they can't win these games, and they just spend all their time beating up on the Mississippis. And all that is true. And at the same time, none of it is surprising. Like, there is nothing on Bo Nix's resume this year that suggested, yes, he will go up against LSU and have a great day. This is the same dude who had five yards of passing attempt against A&M, 5.6 against Tulane. Like, he's had two good passing games this year, Mississippi State and Arkansas. Every other game, win, loss, no matter what, like, mediocre at best. They don't have a second rushing threat outside Booby Whitlow, so I'm like, I, I find it very odd that everybody, that some, not everybody, that some people are freaking out about like, oh, Auburn, disappointing, not living up to expectations. Auburn, before the season, was going to, Vegas had them winning eight games, and mm-hmm. they are like squarely on pace to do that. They might even overachieve slightly. So like, I, I sincerely, I understand that the defense is great, and it's frustrating to see a great defense that the offense can't, literally cannot help. But I don't really understand this level of freakout this year. 
I think we're so used to Auburn being a team that we are all wildly wrong about that we feel that we have to. uh, That we've been cheated. That doesn't have to be the case every year. Sometimes Auburn is just fine. This year, Auburn is fine. Auburn has a freshman quarterback, a really good defense. They covered against LSU. They're, you know, they're. they could they could finish they'll probably finish as like a top fifteen type team. Auburn is fine. Also, by the way, Auburn fans, when are you excited or worried about offense? What's been less relevant to your program success than, than offense? Right? Well, the one year it happened, you just had like a dynamic player running the single wing. The rest of the time, it's the same thing you've always been: three fat guys, a bunch of fast other defenders, right? Um, and then like a running back. And, and, and special teams luck, which consistent over 50 years to a point that almost undermines our claim that you are one of the least predictable teams in college football. So and the don't. ability to most of the time not get caught at your shit because you're big enough to have money, but small enough to circle the wagons when you need to. An efficient mafia, in other words. I'm sorry, family. It's a family. Mm. Yeah. So, like, also, by the way... If in case like we all sleep on this, by the way, because it's a conference game and everybody gets real bent uh, over conference games being these kind of like, you know, particularly when it's LSU and Auburn and they have a history which doesn't quite transcend into rivalry, but is definitely something in terms of uh, respected and sometimes uh, angry foe. Yeah, this was a really good shot at what is one of the best teams, one of the best, like what, three or four teams in college football at this point. This is a hell of a shot on the road. In Baton Rouge, and you lost by three points. Like, as far as I'm concerned, man, you, you outperformed Florida in that respect. It was, the, it was the best defensive effort anybody has put up against LSU this year. But like, not even that close. Yeah, no, they what they did they did what nobody else has done, which is they hopped on they hopped on short routes. They pressured Joe Burrow, sacked him, I believe, three times. Um, accidentally bumped him to the ground once. Derek Brown in passing him, somebody said Joe, said, Bur- Joe Burrow had the best response to this. Joe Burrow did have the best response because Joe Burrow, uh, Derek Brown bumped into him inadvertently, like did not look like a cheap shot after the play. Uh, someone accused him of mm. flopping. And on Twitter, Burrow took to uh, the internet and said, you know, like y'all, it's not that he's a flop. It's just that he's a much larger human being than I am. Which is it, accurate. It which is real like accurate. Shot. There's just there's a lot of there's a lot. Uh, of he him. he threw. I don't think it was a cheap shot. I think he threw a shoulder. But also, it's a football game. Yeah, he's I gonna mean, get a shoulder thrown at him. He's gonna get a little shoulder thrown at him. Yeah. But when Derek, Brown I don't throws think it was it, anything untoward. Is what I'm saying. It's like a beef shoulder. Yeah, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna bump you, especially if you are uh, a solid but not Derek Brown sized Joe Burrow. Yeah. So yeah, Auburn. I'm I like. I mean, you can complain about this, but one. Uh, you're going to have to deal with it because they don't revise scores after the game. And two, it's a pretty good effort, man. <laughs> they do like, revise the scores of some Auburn games, but not in Auburn's <laughs> favor. Not, not, at this, not at this stage. It's no, been a no. little while as well. Can we talk about teams that are actually, uh, let's say, not quite what they were expected to be? Yes. Uh, I went and compared the preseason poll, the AP poll, to the current Massey Composite computer ratings. Here are teams that are 10 or more spots worse. Sorry, did than, you say 10? 10 or ten? more spots oh, worse God. than they Damn. were expected to be. <clears throat> we're going to start with Notre Dame. Oh, boy. Woo. Where, were they, where were they preseason? So I actually, I didn't write down the either of the okay. rankings. I just wrote down total spots. Uh, I think Notre Dame was like 
It's cool. I'm, like I'm, I'm going to look it up. I'm going to look it up. You vamp. I'll keep going. 11, we have a tie. Uh, Washington is 11 spots worse than they're projected to be, which that feels about right. This one was kind of surprising. Georgia. The computers are not at all impressed with Georgia. The computers really like Georgia most of the time. Usually it's like, the sure, and we have that I guess common. there's a number five team. You know, uh, Michigan State, 16 lower than expected. Uh, here we have a tie. Two best friends. Total coincidence. Texas A&M and Texas, both 19 spots. I called it. I called it. <laughs> oh, my God, you did. No, Everybody you, got mad. Which the if really fun part about this yeah. is, like, this is where this is the AP poll. The Aggies were, like, 12th or something like that. And, and Texas they was, were, like. They were 12th, exactly. Texas was, like, 9th. And everyone was, like, that is way too fucking high. Uh, I Pretty much everyone that I know of took the under on Texas's win total and is sitting pretty there. Whereas the Aggies were expected like seven and five. And yet, you know, they've basically tumbled to the same spot tied at 24 Washington state and Stanford. These are the two big ones. Let's talk about Spencer's specific preseason, uh, bold prediction though where he said that both texas and texas a&m will disappoint yeah this is uh, in our in their story of the season this was mine that we would have the lone star letdown the lone star letdown by the way on a scale of one improbable to five holy shit call my lawyer uh we're at four which is the dog will the dog won't hunt rating because uh i'm on track in terms of the story but they're not on track in terms of either team living up to the immense amount of mental energy and actual capital invested in their bloated and moderately successful football programs. I think that's accurate in every way with the Longhorns. Cause like for some reason, the win total, like everyone was like 10, 10 and two making the playoff. All that who would, who would, who would predict Texas to go yeah. 10 and two? Not us. Like that was the expectation. A and M it's like, shit, if they make it to the end of the season, that's fine. For some reason they were 12th in the poll. I don't know I, about that. Part. I think we're talking about micro disappointment versus macro disappointment. What the Aggies are in macro disappointment is consistent that they are basically one of the nation's most eight and five teams across their entire history. Well, it's also like they're an expensive eight and five team. Yeah. 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 That's the thing that gets, that makes it a little spicier this year. Texas, we're used to profligate waste from Texas, right? Like they're just like, yeah, hell, I don't know. We left a valve open and we, we released a Tom Herman. It's crazy. Yeah. If we're talking over the course of like a decade, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, um, Nebraska Jason, is 37 spots worse than its preseason <laughs> ranking. <laughs> All right, so there there are two teams you haven't named that I think are, maybe are going to be on here, or I'll be surprised if they're not. There's a big one. Okay. Syracuse. Yeah, that's the one I was going to say. Who's your Who's your other one? Michigan's the other one I would have thought. They were ranked seventh. Maybe Michigan is on, the computers like Michigan. They're yeah. uh, 13th in the Massey. So okay. they. they Falling by six, not too bad. They can That's climb back up and then get killed by Ohio State. Syracuse. Syracuse. Preseason 22. 67 Ooh. spots lower than wow. the computers. Syracuse Yikes. is actually bad. Meanwhile, the two Four most computers. underrated teams to begin the season, Penn State and Auburn. Louisville? Oh. In the top 25. Okay. Oh, uh, okay. Right. Only, only within the top 25. So, like... That's kind of overlooking teams that might be in the top twenty-five now, but didn't start there. Okay, I because I had later in here, I had I, I wanted to ask y'all which which ACC thing is more surprising? Syracuse twenty-two because they went ten and three last year. 
and they're three and five now, or Louisville, who went two and ten last year and is five and three now. Um, I'm more surprised at Louisville. I thought that was going to be more of a like, I thought that was going to be more of a you know, like a demo job. I thought they were going to have to strip the walls, right? I thought there would at least be a year before they before they got competitive at all, right? Especially because they were switching from you know whatever Petrino was doing to a very different style of offense, right? And oh, and they were also switching styles on defense in terms of having one that's new (laughs) right so uh you know and also coaching in terms of having one so really this was this was a complete switch but satterfield has moved much faster so that's more surprising to me especially because and i said it half jokingly eric dungy really meant a lot to that team (laughs) not just in terms of his intrinsic talent but what he was in context like the way they play in that system yeah i yeah, they're bad, but it's not completely surprising. So I'm kind of a I'm kind of a general Dino Babers enthusiast ever since uh, Tennessee beat Bowling Green in supremely unfair fashion, and I really enjoyed the manner in which he chewed out the refs. But I haven't been following the travails of Syracuse that closely. Is there anything else like weird roster wise that's going on there besides Dungy? I just asked you guys to talk about Syracuse football, and I'm sorry, I must be having a. They stroke. haven't they haven't been able to run the ball at all. Yeah. Like, I mean, they finally, they're starting to figure out ways to do it. But if you watch them early on mm. in ACC play, they just, they just did not know how to get first downs. Yeah. They're and averaging, in a way, they're averaging three yards a carry. So, hmm. yeah. So they, that's suboptimal. Like, they are, yeah, they can still hit some of the big plays, but they have no little plays whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. And the defense is still bad. All right. That'll do it. The defense actually improved, but. Still yeah, not, they, not very good. They're just not playing with the same margins. They're they're uh, kind of just being normal Syracuse. Yeah, this is normal Syracuse. You know, I think they're probably like this is probably like well, when you lose a player who poured grape soda on himself for a school project, you can't <laughs> help. And I and again, only half joking, right? Eric Dungey completely committed to the cause in every possible way. Um. Sticking with the theme of surprise, UCLA remains alive to win the back <laughs> You know, you you explained this to me prior to this. I still I've seen the math yeah. and I've seen how it could work. And I still do not believe that it is possible. So did you see Chip Kelly so somebody pointed this out to Chip Kelly, um, and they used the phrase like um that he that they control their own destiny. And this is the answer he, he gave. <laughs> No, to be honest, the, the question was if he told his team they control their destiny in the South. The response was, no, to be honest with you, grammatically, destiny is a predetermined set of events. And if it's a predetermined set of events, you can't control it. Think about that one. Oh, God, he's... Calvinist. He, listen. Calvinist Chip Kelly. I, Chip Kelly is one of the worst interviews uh, you can find out there in terms of major college head coaches. That's a fucking gem. Um, um, Nebraska's giving him a run for their money in that regard. Like, like does that? Uh, Holly, does that mean uh, like difficult to interview? Because like everything uh, he says, that is means funny. just uh, yeah, yeah. He's yeah. Uh, he he is he doesn't he doesn't want to talk to you. So so and, to recap, UCLA started the season with losses to Cincinnati, San Diego State and Oklahoma, all of which are top 25 teams. Um, Their in-conference losses have come to Arizona and Oregon State, 
and their wins have come over Wazoo, Stanford, and Arizona State. This this team makes zero fucking sense, and that is why it's entirely possible that they can win the Pac-12 South. Entirely so, possible. They're they're only they're one game behind Utah and USC, neither of whom they have played yet. If you uh, if UCLA were to win the Pac-12 and go to the Rose Bowl, which would mean finally <laughs> playing in a full home stadium, full ish. You're assuming like, a lot there, but yeah. I'm assuming a lot of Penn State fans. Yeah. Oh, this would be home, yeah. This would be the fifth time UCLA has made the Rose Bowl with four or more losses. <laughs> including as recently as 1993. Sorry Arizona fans. Like I would actually love to see how the committee takes into account, well, you know, this fan base will travel in this like is UCLA viewed as an audience liability in the Rose Bowl? <laughs> Luckily, do they for have them, to auto- this... do they have to automatically pair them with only the most enthusiastic <laughs> Big Ten teams? Fortunately Just... for them, that would be like an auto bid, which and fortunately you'd have a Big Ten team to fill up the rest of the stadium. But like, yeah, yeah if you if you did have to take that into account, dude, if we like, got a if we got a UCLA Minnesota rose bowl that yes. whole that whole stadium is gophers that I, whole stadium dibs, is gophers. i am dibsing this now for the chip kelly pj fleck press conference oh yeah which will be like you ever seen a youtube video with like a very small dog and a very old cat mm-hmm. that. yeah it will be it would see time of possession in that dominated by pj fleck the, the the best part is there is it's not even out of the realm of possibility right now that a six loss ucla team makes the rose bowl fuck yes thank you god I, I think was, if you do I'm that, so then happy. Brett Bielema's uh, twenty what thirteen Wisconsin, whichever it was, uh, shows up as the Big Ten rep. The eight no, five the, no, Illinois does. <laughs> or the, if they don't, the team if... that finished eight and six. Two thousand nine Illinois would like a word. Yeah, or if if they don't get that bid, does every member of that Wisconsin team just pop champagne? Right, like oh, the title's still ours. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank God. Worst team ever. Still us, boys. You were saying that Chip Kelly is an awful interview. I right. I mean, he's an awful person. Okay, so he's just, just uh, he's consistent. He's, in the okay, way that, the sorry, way that robots are bad at being. In the yeah, way that like, C three PO is an awful person. Also, this is not a complaint. It's their job to coach football. It's their not. It's not their job to talk to us. And also, I don't trust people who don't think I'm funny. Um, so that's just like a, a foible of mine. But I, Chip Kelly's a deeply unpleasant human being. So, like so, asking him any question that includes the word destiny—that's that's pretty much a guaranteed eye roll. You were also saying that Nebraska makes this difficult. Scott Frost, their head coach, not the easiest oh, interview. That's a different kind of not easy interview. Correct. Did you hear uh, what he was? Did he hear what he was cranky about this week? Yes, because he was saying that you shouldn't wear a hoodie to Minnesota and places like that because you were. Um, he you, used to get beaten up for where, or not he, the royal he. Yeah, the, saying that players would be made fun of or beaten up for wearing hoodies on the field uh, prior to the Wisconsin game or, or a Minnesota game, right? If it was cold, he was basically uh, stealing valor mm. from people who live in cold places because he lives in Nebraska. It's not that cold. What was Scott Frost wearing when he gave this quote? A hoodie. Good question. <laughs> one, one. He was wearing a indoors, hoodie. Indoors. Indoors. I, yep. And two, I wanted to it say... It only could have been better if he was also wearing sunglasses. I wanted to say that if you think the cold makes you noble, then 37 below is pretty cold, ain't it, Scott? Wow. I'm, also, I'm also confused as to like what he's referring at. 
Did what you go ref- back to the Chip Kelly interview thing just to set that entire no. thing up to make that temperature? I did. I did because I've wow. had it ever since you oh, said what a, 37. What a journey. You said 37 spots below. I'm one thing in your head for that one. That was like an hour-long plot. Yeah, just to get to that. 37, 37 below, Scott. Steve Martin <laughs> calls this an icebox joke. I am yeah. confused as to which game um, Scott Frost is even referring to because we'll go with 97. Here were the road games that Nebraska played um, from October on. They played in yeah. Waco, Lawrence, Columbia, Boulder. Okay, that one might have been cold. And Ish. that's it. Like, was it possibly a, like a high school game? Like a, one of those I, state I, versus state things? I guess. And like 96, they played Lubbock, Norman, Ames. Like, where are these cold weather games he's talking about? I, I'm saying he's full of shit, okay? He did originally play at Stanford, which also does not play <laughs> Minnesota. Mm-hmm. That's, that also does not contain weather of any kind. I experienced he that sur- bitter He survived the frozen cold. hells of Stanford. Um, excuse me, I paid too much money to be cold. <laughs> Is his real name Scott Frost is what I'm asking? Or did he change it in some sort of weird cold weather branding that just never took off? Best game of the day, by the way, ended at <laughs> 1.30 in the morning. Scott Seisman. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, that would be Wazoo, Oregon, where um, I have seen this happen. Like Wazoo is one of the few teams I can actually say this about. I think I've seen at least four games in my life where they scored with a minute and or less on the clock and i thought too soon <laughs> too too soon yeah we all love making those jokes but sometimes those jokes are real for a reason not a joke cuz wazoo scored with about a minute left to take the lead and uh oregon could have won it with field goal and uh well, as it turns out, they did win it with a field I goal. I always yeah. complain when people do the scored too soon thing, like when they're not just joking, you know, like when they seriously raise that as a concern. I didn't this time because I didn't. Nope. Nope. Just <laughs> I held my tongue on this one. You've also jumped over the part where Wazoo even had the ball to score the game winning, uh, what the go-ahead touchdown, rather. Ah, Be- yes. There because was Oregon punted from the Washington State 33. Yeah. Yeah, punted from the 33. But it all worked out, Ryan, so nobody has to learn God. a lesson or change nice. any of their behaviors. That's that's, nice. that's the most important thing. That's Holly's that's Holly's message. I didn't learn anything. What was from it this. I actually said? I, like, I don't even remember what I had been doing. I was like standing on the top shelf of a ladder on one foot in flip-flops and I got down and I said nothing bad happened and that means I don't have to learn a lesson. That's right. Mario Cristobal and Mike Leach cuz you're not going to learn cuz nothing ever changes cuz also by the way I, I don't get this thing where you're obviously doomed and you're going to lose by a field goal and you're not just letting the other team score so you can put your best unit, your offense, back on the field. I never understand. Like, well, maybe they'll miss up. They're not going to mess up the kick. I know we go, oh, college kickers. There's like a 75% chance they're going to make the kick. Whereas you probably stand at that point with everybody fatigued and, you know, you scoring at will. You could get down the field in 40 seconds. Let them score. I mean, if they're worked, not going to run it, out of bounds. It worked out for Memphis. every team that plays memphis turns into memphis all of them (laughs) it's contagious uh, spencer you want to talk about tulsa anyway i just wanted to note that tulsa which had been extremely non-explosive on the year uh against memphis tulsa had gains of 31 32 36 40 (laughs) (laughs) memphis is memphis is less a football team 
and more a kind of performance virus. <laughs> Everybody becomes them. I think it's like I think it's like acting next to a ham, right? You're like, man, why are you being so theatrical? You're like, I don't know. It's just I just feel like I need to be over the top because Brian Dennehy's here. That's why. <laughs> Memphis, the Brian Dennehy of teams. So here's what here's what happened at the end of that game. By the way, Tulsa. Tulsa just stays in this thing, even though they went down 14-0 early and they're trailing for for almost the the entire game. And then finally in the fourth quarter, they come back and grab the lead, which is just such a nice story because, you know, Tulsa's had kind of a rough season. (laughs) They're 0-4 in the conference after this game. They were 0-3 coming in and uh, they get the lead. And this is why you should never try because they, they get the lead. Uh, Memphis comes back and scores, and the, the the break is 42-41, and Tulsa does everything they're supposed to do, right? They get the ball with about uh, four and a half minutes left. They go on a 13-play odyssey down the field, nipping efficiently towards a, like a potential... Milking clock the way you're supposed to. Milking clock the way you're supposed to, <clears throat> Kansas State. And... Getting down the field, getting in the position for a chip shot field goal, I believe a 29-yarder for the win, and uh, they yank it left. Just, yeah, just yank it left. And then, like, everyone in Memphis celebrates. Why are you celebrating? (laughs) (laughs) Are you the guy who, like, Because they're Brian Dennehy. Brian Dennehy would celebrate. (laughs) Oh, yeah, let's go to the bar. I was in Cocoon! Cocoon! This was also like an hour after ABC had announced SMU Memphis will be the primetime game. That was was (laughs) was nearly derailed by Tulsa. And and Memphis was like, oh shit, we gotta put on our best clothes! (laughs) Two and six Tulsa is like, man, how fast can Bonobos deliver? Also, the ABC uh, Saturday night games are now sponsored by Bass Pro Shops, so Memphis by 30. Memphis by 30. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, by three... Thousand. By the way, this is also, I think, a very difficult game for Memphis because SMU is already Memphis. This is effectively a Memphis versus Memphis game. Wow, we got a super Memphis. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was very Jim Cantore of you, right? Like, oh my God, did you hear that super Memphis going off? Um, Spencer, how many yards of offense did Cal have? <sighs> Ocho Trace! That's 8-3? That's not 86. God damn it. Ocho Trace, that's 11. <laughs> Which is about the same. <laughs> I, hey, listen. I somebody language... somebody is listening to this instead of st- studying for a Spanish exam. And now they're going <laughs> to fuck it up because of you. And, and Alex, not... to be fair. Yeah. Hey, to be, <laughs> to, to be fair, I didn't go to these two August academic institutions the university of california berkeley or um yeah they're august institutions not october institutions that's correct and cal certainly not an october one i know i know they have some injuries on offense man Uh, they they, they they looked they looked trash i mean everyone goes yeah man utah's defense was incredible okay okay it's true it's true we've we've long lauded the large angry utah defense that USC, of course, just threw down the field <laughs> on with, with a terrifying ease, bordering on point shaving, right? But uh, Cal, obviously not as gifted as as uh, as USC, uh, got in here and put up put up the eight three. 
They Utah, put a, is, Utah is doing that thing where the USC game was the very bad public breakup for them. Mm-hmm. And now they're like putting up, now they're working out a lot and putting a lot of workout photos on Instagram. Really That's working on myself right, right now? Yeah. <laughs> so Kyle Whittingham is going even harder on his calves? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. <laughs> My favorite thing about this game is that Utah entered ranked, I think, 12th in defensive SP plus by annihilating a power five, a, a not bad power five team. They jumped all the way to 11th in defensive SP plus. <laughs> like, the, the computer basically looked at that like, sure, that's pretty I, good. I mean, it did know what, that it was the Cal offense. Right. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> it's like, like this... oh, you held Cal to 83. That's pretty good. <laughs> like where, where the algorithm goes, mm, enact Cal protocol. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. That, oh, that bumps God. it down from incredible to. Eh, not bad. That's fine. That's fine. I wanted to. I wanted to end the review on a. It's a non-college note, but not entirely because he was mentored by John Ward at the University of Tennessee. Uh, driving home uh, because <gasps> you heard of, him. I did hear him. One of the themes for this year is I've been trying to listen to as many local broadcasts as possible. After uh, hearing Deardorff and Brandstatter, which changed my life. By the way, Deardorff and Brandstatter in a game where Michigan again only threw four times and a half in the rain. We're ecstatic about the results of Saturday um, night. By the way, do you know who they had in the booth uh, as an interview during Saturday's game? Who? Uh, one of the astronauts from that all-Michigan astronaut crew. Wow. So space isn't real, is it? Evac time! <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, God, dude. So I listened on the way back to Mike Keith who is the play-by-play <laughs> announcer for the Tennessee Titans. I think Titans. I have yelled about before. If you ask, yeah, the guy, because Mike Because Keith, he used to be a Knoxville guy. Yeah, and we used to talk about how Mike Keith would sound excited for things that were not, in fact, exciting or good, right? No, but, he is the most, he is the most relentlessly cheerful in the face of any available facts human being that has ever been involved with professional sports. And no one, by the way, has less reason to be cheerful about football than somebody who is going to have to describe the actions of the Tennessee Titans for years, on, for years on a weekly basis, right? And yet, this man will call a penalty like something great just happened, right? Like, and it's a holding penalty, holding Titans, holding Titans. Yeah, I listened to him today call a game against the Buccaneers, which, for the record, how'd it go? The Titans won. It was a back-and-forth affair. But Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers had himself a day. I think he was like, uh, the former Aggie was like 170 yards in the first half alone. It's just eviscerating them. But the descriptions by Mike Keith and his color man were the most chipper, generous things I've ever heard, right? Like, oh, God, he is just, he's just got out the butcher knife and is taking us knuckle by knuckle, isn't he? Look at that. He's just gutting us like a fish. Well, Well, I mean, good for him. What an outstanding player he is. I guess it's a real defensive challenge there. But you know what? I'm sure Dean Pease will fix that at the half. This, <laughs> they, they again, <laughs> this again, despite years of experience with the Titans. That nothing good will happen. Mike Keith legitimately sounding like it could happen. Right? Like, oh, you know what? I mean, I don't know. I think, you know, the boys get back into it. We, uh, you know, kneecap Mike Evans, maybe lock him in a, you know, some sort of cell. Well, like, and I don't, I don't want to say that he's a sunshine pumper. That's not what I'm meaning to imply. I mean that he's telling you what's happening. He's just saying it real, real cheerfully. Yeah. I listened to him go, Ryan Tannehill sacked. He's sacked on the play. 
who was who was the Bucks receiver who blew up today? It was Mike Evans. Yeah. Okay, and he was like, he was talking about Mike Evans like he was a titan, like or as though he were no, a whole, Homer announcer for Mike Evans. Like just a monster day for Evans out there. Like charity toward people who don't deserve charity. He's like, oh man, Jameis Winston, just what what a what an amazing play there. Excellent job. You're like, yeah, dude, he just threw like a like a 40 yard TD against your team. Just great. All all experience is worth celebrating. (laughs) Man, that might be his thing, but he has always been like this. And it's just so funny. Yeah. Because it is so, I mean, you, you guys all know Tennesseans. This is not our thing. My house is on fire. It's very hot. (laughs) The Bucks driving, the Bucks driving into the train power zone. That's train for all your heating and uh, air conditioning needs. They're, uh, they're the ones you want to call when things get hot. And speaking of hot, right Talk now the Bucks. Talk about drops of Jupiter. We just can't seem to connect out there. <laughs> wow, your house melts more than it burns. That's surprising to me. <laughs> Holding Titans. <laughs>